this is, I think, a very, very important part. If you want to write or want to be a writer, professional writer and successful writer, then you need to write about things that you really enjoy writing about. If you really want to be happy and successful and really enjoy your job, which is what we're looking for, right? Then yeah. I think you should be writing about topics you really enjoy writing about. Welcome. You are listening to the Jordan Baylor Draft, a podcast that inspires writers to push through their limiting beliefs and blow the lid off of their personal creativity. My name is Jordan Baylor, a filmmaker best known for my animated web series, Love the Moochers. Listen as I sit down with writers to talk methods, habits, lessons learned, and how to make a beneficial impact with your work. Today is a new draft. Rewrite yours and improve. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Jordan Baylor Draft. This is episode 39. And today I'd like to talk about going an inch wide, but a mile deep. I'm talking about focus. What's your message? What's your core message? What are you trying to sell to the world? What is the one thing that you are about? What encapsulates who you are? As a writer, as an artist, as a creator, anybody that you know, anybody creator that you admire or look up to, say Stephen King, for instance, he's known primarily for one thing, writing books, but not just writing any kind of books. He writes horror books. But that's not all Stephen King has ever done. He's written so many books. I mean, he's probably forgotten how many stories he's written, but the one core engine behind his entire growth of his career, the trajectory is horror. And that's not to say that you have to put yourself in a box, but you do have to label yourself. You do have to tell others in a succinct manner what you're about. There's nothing wrong with putting yourself in a proverbial box. Creatively, you can do a lot of things, but you should be known for doing one thing well, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because a lot of people can't do anything well. What's wrong with being known for doing one thing well? You can always branch out. There's nothing wrong with that. There seems to be a stigma on limiting yourself and becoming great at one thing. Today's guest's name is Alex. And he's a man who's put himself in the box. And in his core driving message is masculinity, men, how to be stronger, energy, just all of it. How to be a stronger man in today's times when so much of society tells you that masculinity is wrong. That's his core message. He speaks to weak men who don't feel strong and he helps them feel stronger. He's written books, designed courses, designed a website, does consulting, coaching, has a group chat. He does a lot of stuff all with one driving message, masculinity. I boiled it down to one word because that's how clear it is for him. Now, in our discussion, we talked about his message, how he came to the message, how he grows his business, how he books clients, and how he's able to make a full-time living with his website, as well as his consulting and coaching program. Now, one thing I took from the interview was that it's very, very possible to make a full-time income just by niching down, just by going and finding one keyword 
and building out and creating concepts and, and content off of all that. So instead of a lot of people thinking that they should write every kind of book, they should just really write one and become the best at that. There's nothing wrong with niching down. Always remember that. I hope you enjoy this interview. Thank you. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Jordan Baylor Draft, a series where we deep dive into the minds of writers, coaches, and professionals who have a way with words. I have on the line a man who is making a true impact in the field of self-mastery with a mission of helping weak men become powerful men. He is a masculinity and mindset coach and founder of the selfconquering.com movement, where he teaches men how to dominate their minds and achieve anything they want in life. A man can dream of. He is author of the books Social Wars, The Own Your Shit series, Cancel Culture, and the newly published The Unchained Man. Welcome to the show. Today's guest, Alexander Graves. How are you doing today, sir? Hi there. Well, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. It's great oh, to be yeah, here. Of, course. of course, man. Thank you for the time. So I like to start off every interview and ask, who is Alexander Graves? Initially, I was just a regular guy, like really everyone else. I was working a classic nine to five job. Well, not exactly classic. I was actually a programmer. So I guess these days it's classic. A lot of guys do this. And I was, I grew up completely normal with a pretty standard household, nothing too like rich or too poor. It's just completely normal. And I grew up in a society like most men these days where you are told that you should be doing everything for the female and the women and yeah. you should set yourself on fire to keep others warm. And I sort of never liked this. Well, let's call it indoctrination. I'm just going to mm -hmm. use that word. And <clears throat> that's why I, at some point, it actually came pretty late in my life. I was, I think, 28 when I decided to, that I don't like this at all, how my life is unfolding. And I decided I want to change this. And I went on a journey to find what I really like doing because I didn't really know at that point. I didn't really enjoy the programming. I just wanted to do something else, more creative. This was really the only like idea I had, but I didn't know how to do it, like a YouTube channel or podcast, for example, or writing books. And at some point I realized that I always spend way too much time on internet forums, writing posts <laughs> that nobody really <laughs> reads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, and that's when I discovered that writing is actually something I truly enjoy doing. And then I thought, well, why not just try writing a book? Why not? And, the well, I actually started with just a story first, an easy story, not too much, not a full-fledged book. And I really enjoyed doing it. And I thought, well, maybe there's a way to to make something out of this. And that was really just the idea. I didn't have a topic at the time because um, I, I was married at the time, or I still am. And I didn't really, I, I had no like topic to talk about. So I thought, yeah, well, something we, we need to talk or write about rather. And then I found the so-called red pill scene, which uh. has kind of a bad reputation these days, but I guess it's a good stage in your life, but it shouldn't be more than a stage. And that's where I discovered how relationships really work or should work, how they work better, in my opinion. 
And I discovered that the only thing or the best thing really to, to change your life and the relationships you're in for the better is by changing yourself and making yourself a better man, really. And that's when I went on this journey for two years to fix myself and my, my mindset and my, my life and how I operated really in the everyday situations. And then I started to write about it because I noticed some very great effects of this. And I thought, why not share this information with people? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much how I decided to choose self-conquering and to choose to start self-conquering and to help men achieve the same. I, I like how you said the uh, programming of society on men. Um, so you, you started first by documenting your progress and then you turned the progress kind of into like blog posts and started sharing your knowledge but why did you choose the mission of sharing like masculinity? Why did, why did you feel like you needed to be the one to tackle this message? Well, that's a very personal thing because I thought always of myself that I'm not very masculine, mm. especially in growing up because I was actually raised by a single mom, a single mom mm-hmm. household. So I had no, no masculine figures growing up like at all, really. Yeah. So I, I never got this, this masculine energy from other men to understand how how men act and should be acting and uh, what's really the the great benefit of masculinity. And then you look into society where people say that masculinity itself, if it is too strong, is toxic. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, and that's, I, I always hated this because if there's really truly something toxic about masculinity itself, obviously every man tries to reduce it as much as possible. Otherwise the toxicity would surface. And, Therefore, they become more feminized because they try to reduce the masculinity. And I always yeah. think that because I have noticed myself, once I fixed myself and overcame this issue, that the more masculine I, I made myself like with, with the traits incorporating this, um, the more actually I felt better and the more people liked who I was. And I thought, well, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> is it because you were kind of becoming more like a, a, a true version of who Alex is or, or what, yes. what did you find? Is that what it was? You're- yes. I think I just found myself like really the, the, my soul, so to speak and wow. who I am or who I should be, should have been all the time. And it was buried under these wheels of deception put on by society and, and sort of agenda you could say there is i don't really know who who it is but it doesn't really matter the point is that something is out there that is putting this this wheel of deception over man's masculinity and the guys really have some issues with that obviously mm-hmm. because they're missing their the, the great power that lies within being one with yourself and that's something i discovered and that's why i'm trying to help these men get back to themselves you said that you grew up uh, with just in a single mother mother household. Um, yes. What What did you look for from for masculinity when you were a child? Was it movies, comic books? Like, where were you looking for that? Oh yes, I'm a big fan of movies, like traditional masculine movies. That was really something. Yeah, I like Rocky really enjoyed. stuff like that. Yes, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for me, uh, Apollo Creed was a big uh, influence on like what a man you build was, I was like, Oh man, dude, that guy has like abs. He's strong. You know, you can fight. You yes. beat up Rocky. Like, yeah. Like Apollo Creed was uh, my role model. <laughs> yeah, that's something that, that 
I think that's where it starts really with like the, the visual, the, the mm-hmm. masculine physique and how, how you should be looking or should look like as a man, really. Not, that's not really something you see these days a lot because I remember when uh, 300 came out, the movie yeah. with the Spartans, right? And people were just making fun of, well, it's just 306 packs. That's the whole movie. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> what's wrong about seeing very fit guys? I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Just, they were obviously heavily trained from the age of seven. That's how the Spartans did it. And obviously they had proper masculine bodies. I mean, of course, because they were fighting every day and training every day. And what's bad about it? But this is, this is a stigma again. That is something bad about looking good, which is weird to me, but that is really something these days, especially for men as well. I guess women have it a bit tougher, but for men, this is definitely a thing. And that's why I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't listen too much to society and what's mm-hmm. being told there. And that's why I decided to create my own voice. I love it. Um, how, how did you learn how to translate your long thoughts into into book forms? Because you said that you just had the thought, I'm going to write a book. Like, how did you chunk that down? Like, what, what, what was that looking like? By being very bad. <laughs> i love it you allowed yourself to be bad until you got good yes that is i think i think actually that is really in any success story the the thing you have to go through the failing forward really and i think john peterson said the fool is the precursor to the saint which really just means you have to start bad or badly that's just how it is you you have to start at some point and you obviously you're not born as a perfect rider or a fantastically good rider. You have to train, you have to exercise and by daily riding and getting better at it. My first stories or, or writings were really bad. If I look back to them these days, like very, very simple and wrong usage of words and sentence structure and all of that. And I'm, I got better over time. That's really how this works. And I think the biggest issue for most people who try to, write or want to write is that fear of being judged for their writing. Mm. I think that's a big thing. It was for me, obviously, but I overcame that luckily. And the reason I think there is because if you write a book, Mm -hmm. it could be, if it's fiction or nonfiction, doesn't really matter. But if you write a book, you're literally putting your soul on paper because these are your deep thoughts usually what you think, how you think the world works and all of that. So obviously when people judge your book, they judge you directly, how you think and what you do, who you are really. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that. And that's why they just don't take the action to actually write the book or blog posts or whatever it is. Yeah. You can start how you want. Yes. I think that's a big factor. At least it was for me. Mm -hmm. And I do think uh, a lot of people have an issue with that. Yeah. Hmm. I'm still reading. I'm like close to the end, but I'm still reading the first book in your own, your shit series and the words flow. But at the same time, the content has like such depth to it. Um, Like who inspires you as a writer? Like which, yeah. Who inspires you as a writer? Well, that actually changed throughout the course of the books, which mm-hmm. if anyone reads all of my books, I would be very thankful, obviously, but I would also guess he would, he or she would notice that there is some change to how I write, especially in the newest book. And there was 
I don't know if you know him or if you're familiar with him, uh, Ivan Throne. He wrote The Nine Laws, a great book, a very dark book, but also a very great book. And his style of writing influenced me very heavily, especially for the, the newer books and like my newer writings. Mm. Because he, I mean, it's, it's a bit more sophisticated because he uses like exotic verbs, if you could say. And this makes it obviously diffi more difficult to read for people. But mm -hmm. I really enjoy it because it's more more lively, more vivid. The the words just are more, you know, they have more feeling to it, and I like that. That's why I chose to more or less adopt that writing style. Okay, all right, I, I like that. Um, what is the nine laws? Um, what is that pertaining to the nine laws of life, physics? Like, what? What? what, what I, I don't. I'm not. I'm unaware of the book. The nine laws book is. The, the dark nine laws or rather the nine laws of the dark side of life, really, which really just means nine laws on how to navigate the, the dark side of life, which one law, for example, is really just survival, which means the, I think it's the first law actually that a man has to survive no matter what. And the second law, I think is concealment that you can, or you should be, or you should not put every info out there because people might use it against you and sort of that these these kind of laws it is it's just like navigating like dark darker paths of life but it's a it's a great book to understand how the world sometimes works not always obviously but mm -hmm. there are dark paths in life which you can navigate with this book very well and he uses a very very lively language for that i, I really enjoy that Nice. Okay, I'll be, I'll be linking to that book in the uh, show notes. I want to I want to dig deeper for people who are carving out uh, their own niche in the nonfiction or, or fiction space. And because I respect what you do in your space and how you've evolved into uh, a thought leader. Um, when you get an idea for a book, what's your process for chunking it down and writing it? And then how do you know that you've like arrived on an idea big enough for a book? <clears throat> Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, well, usually I just have a bunch of ideas. Mm. They come through like experience or reading something. Reading is always very helpful. If you read other books, obviously you get ideas. And then you put your own spin on it. That's really what I do most of the time. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Sock Season. I have a pair of their unisex essential star quality socks and man, they are comfortable. They truly are. They, they, they come in like weird, funky, cool colors. And I'm not just saying this because they paid me. I'm saying it because I'm a big sock guy and I hate socks that fall apart after a few washes or they're cheap or they're, they're tight around the toe or they hurt around the ankle. I've experienced a lot of different socks and a lot of these companies are cutting corners. I've gotten socks from H&M, different department stores. And quite frankly, I feel like I've gotten beaten a lot of times because I no longer wear the socks. And after a few washes, they either rip or they shrink or I lose a pair or I lose one of the socks. That, the, those two are on me. But sometimes they're warped and they just lose their shape. But the cool thing about Sock Season is Sock Season has a unique 30-day wash guarantee, which covers socks bought within the first 30 days. Like if you buy them and they fall apart within the first 30 days, they will replace them. No questions asked. 
which is crazy, but that's how much they believe in their socks. So go to www.socksseason.com. S-O-C-K-S-E-A-S-O-N.com. Use coupon code OFFSTAGE for 25% off your first order and tell them Jordan sent you because every day is sock season. I love that answer. And I want to dig deeper for people who are carving out their niche in the nonfiction or fiction space because I respect what you do in your space and how you've evolved into a thought leader. Uh, can you tell me what it's like when you get an idea for a book and what's your price, what's your process for chunking it down and writing? And then like, how do you know when you've arrived on an idea that's big enough for a book? All right. So let's start with nonfiction here because that's what I write mostly. And usually most of your listeners, I guess, will feel the same. You have some sort of ideas in your head that may come from reading. I definitely recommend you read a lot because that's how you get of new ideas or just from experience, like interacting with people or reading something from the news or whatever it is. You get an idea, something you could talk about. In the, let's make an, a practical example. With the On Your Shit book, I actually got the idea from the so-called Married Red Pill subreddit on Reddit, mm. which is really just um, some sort of self-help group for guys who are lacking in their marriage. Let's put it that way. And they have this own your shit weekly thing where they talk about how to own your shit and how this helps you get somewhere. And I like this idea a lot, but I thought, well, is it really enough? So that's how it usually goes for me. I get this idea and I like it a lot. And then I think, hmm, let's just write something about this. That's how it was with, with On Your Shit book. With my newest book, for example, The Unchained Man, it was different. I had an idea I wanted to put in a blog post, and that's usually how I do it then. I just write a blog post first. Mm -hmm. Or just some, some simple short story. Or short, um, yeah, non-fiction version. And at that point, I was writing the 14 traits for The Unchained Man, man and I was, I think, at the third or fourth trade when I was already at 3,000 words in the blog post. And I thought, yeah, well, maybe there's more to that than just the blog post. Maybe that's the whole book. That's really how it goes for me most of the time. I, I write a lot of blog posts, and usually that's, how it, that's where it stays, really, within the 1,000 to maybe two, 3,000 words. And sometimes it's really much longer. And I realized, all right, there's more to this idea than just this blog post. And the next step for me then is, all right, let's think about this. Can you really make a book out of it? And then I write an outline, which means I have this basic idea. For example, I have these 14 traits of the Unchained Man, like a guy who is really free in the current society. Mm -hmm. And what makes him that way? What does he have to be that way? Those are the 14 traits. I write them down and maybe some some info before that and after that and how to get there, something like that. And that's my outline. And I look at it and think, can you really make a book out of this? Is this enough? And I know people have written books that are like 50 pages long, especially nonfiction, that happens. But personally, I don't like that. I think the book should at least be 100 pages. That's my personal opinion. 
Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's more like a booklet or something like that. And at that point, I have this outline and then I use obviously the, the stuff I was already writing for the blog post. And for the other things, I really just, that's how I usually do it. I have this idea of the, the chapter name, for example, especially in the Unchained Man, for example, I start with destroying reality is a, is a big part of the beginning, which really just means I help people to unlearn what society tell, told them. And then I just start writing. I know this sounds trivial, but I really just, I have this idea. All right. I want to get them to this point. They are here now, point A. They believe in society and all the lies of it. And I want them to be at point B, to understanding how society really works and what's happening there. And then I just write, really just getting the words out that flow through my head. Because I think most people or most writers already know that the magic is in the editing, really. In the beginning, yeah, that's at least something I've I... never heard that. Oh, really? Mm, no, I've oh, never heard that. Really? I've talked to a lot of writers and I've never heard that, like, you know, I've heard that, like, you find the book in the rewrite and stuff like that, but I've never heard that the power is in the editing. Oh, okay. You, because what I, does that mean to you? Yeah, because I've heard that a lot from people. They always told mm-hmm. me. And it's something I've discovered works very well for me because. That way I can just let the, the thoughts flow, really. just I'm just writing and I'm shutting off my brain and it's just coming out. And then I have a chunk of words, really. That's usually what it is. Some rough, very rough outline of what I want to talk about. And then mm-hmm. I start the editing. And like putting it into logical sentences and structure and making bet- uh, using better words rather in the end and all of that. That comes later. At first, I'm just, really just plain putting it out. And that has served me quite well so far. And I guess a bunch of people use this method as well. Mm-hmm. But I think you should, that the great thing there is that you can just keep writing and you can just keep, or can just staying in the, the flow, really. Mm-hmm. And this is the great thing because when you were in that flow, I guess some have experienced that, it really just, time just flies by. You don't even notice that. At least that's the thing for me. I remember when I was, I think it was the first book, or was it Cancer Culture? I don't know exactly. But I was writing the book, I was listening to some music, and suddenly it was two hours later, and I actually thought it was like 10 minutes. Oh, wow. It completely shifted my perception of time at that point. And I've put down, I think, three chapters at once. Obviously, there were a lot of mistakes and a lot of uh, complete missing structure at all. It's really just thoughts. Stream of consciousness. Yes, exactly. And that doesn't always happen, but it. I think it sometimes happens when you're writing and it's just really just put it out. And that has helped me a lot and it worked quite well for me to do it like that. I like that. So your process is to start with a blog post, outline it, and then if it's too much for the blog post, kind of build out an outline and then ask yourself, can you turn this into a book? And then yes. just kind of go from there. Yes. Okay. It doesn't get much more simpler than that. Um, yeah, I like simplicity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since you started the self-conquering uh, business, what is, uh, what's the key metric you, you've used to uh, using your words to build a business? Like, what is, is it Twitter? I mean, is it writing more books? Like, what is the 
the foundation of your business? Yes, currently it's mostly Twitter and the books, really. Um, so Amazon traffic, you could say. Oh, okay. Because in the books, especially in the ebooks, I link to my blog. Mm-hmm. So that's how they get onto my page. And here's a great tip, actually, if you write an Amazon book or like a Kindle book, um, and you, I would recommend you have some sort of, for example, I have another ebook called The King's Gambit. Mm-hmm. And that's like 20 pages, I think. A very short book, just a random idea I had once to map the chess metaphor onto life. Like you have queens and you have a king, that's you. And Mm -hmm. you have your brothers, those are rooks and all of that. And (laughs) with that, I I mapped out how you can navigate life in, in a society that tries to deceive you. And... This ebook you can get for free when you buy one of my books and it's in one of the first pages because that link gets people onto your blog. So here's basically the tip I'm trying to give you. If you are writing these books and people come to you through Amazon with this sort of free giveaway, you can get them to be on your blog as well and they get value from it and then they stay there. That has worked quite well for me so far. And you're able to capture their email and yes, exactly. constantly. Yeah, and then you have the inbox and etc. I love it. I love it because you're using your ebook to kind of bring them into your realm. And yes. The, the, the free book is the hook. It's exactly. The magnet. Yeah, the lead magnet. Yeah. You put them on your email list. You keep them up to read about the next book and the next book. So this is the kind of stuff that I, this is why I love talking to writers because like this is the kind of stuff, the tactics that you need to be doing. You don't need to just write a book throw it up online, pray to God that it sells because that doesn't work. No, know? it doesn't. That's something, that's actually a very, very important part you just mentioned there. Um, learning at least a basic understanding of marketing and sales is very important if you are a writer. Now, you cannot just write books and throw them out, as you said, that does nothing. You won't sell like any of them. You really need to understand at least a little bit how marketing works and how you get people to even see your books. And then to buy them, there is at least, yeah, at least a little bit of understanding necessary to actually get that done. And that's something, for example, with these lead magnets on your blog and how to be in the inbox and all of that. That's something that you definitely need to understand or learn. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was or it is. And that's what, actually, I hate it. I don't like selling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being very honest. I don't like marketing, selling, copywriting. I don't like any of that. I'm just a writer. I like writing books or blog posts. But if you run a business, you have to see yourself as the CEO. And that means you have to understand some basic business fundamentals, mm-hmm. which means you have to understand how to sell at least a little bit. I guess later when you're very successful, you can outsource that. But in the beginning, you're on your own. You're a one-man show. And that means... You have to do it yourself. How did you get your first sale on your books? Like, what was the, I mean, other than outside your friends and family playing, oh my God, Alex wrote a book. Like, other than that, like, how did you get your first sale? I think it was on Twitter, actually. Because Twitter? Yes. Wow, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, actually, most of my traffic still to this day comes from Twitter. I have quite a big following there. And... I actually grew this following before I launched my first book or even my blog. I think I had, I think I had 3000 followers before I actually launched the blog itself. Twitter is weird. You can really just as a random person, you can gain a lot of followers if you do it right. 
sometimes really weird. And obviously, since I built a business and a brand out of that, it's become way more. But I think the first person was actually from Twitter. I just sent a link there to Amazon. Or was it Gumroad? I don't remember. And then they bought it. And that was a great wow. feeling. So you started just on Twitter, just kind of, I guess, pouring out your thoughts about, was it about masculinity or what was it about? Like, no. how did you... Actually, even how you built your audience? Like, no, no, not at all. I started completely different. I actually started talking about cryptocurrencies. Yo, cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin. Bye, yes. bye, bye. <laughs> yes, that's how I started on Twitter. Oh, man. Uh, with Bitcoin and yes, all these altcoins and cryptocurrency. Yeah. I actually also wrote a book about it, which you cannot get anymore. But back in the days, I had this book. And I think that was actually the first book someone bought. Yeah. I think that was that. Wow. When I think about it. Yeah. And, but at some point, that's when I discovered myself or who I wanted to be mm -hmm. a bit later. And then, well, I tried a bunch of things. That's another maybe important lesson. Um, I've also tried to sell websites. I tried to do, uh, what was it? Copywriting. Yes. Itself. Like selling that as a service. Yeah. And like I tried a bunch of different things before I actually landed at masculinity and mindset. And I guess I was trying to do the next cool thing, you know, websites and copywriting. But really where I felt home and felt like I could do this forever was when I was talking about or writing about something I felt near and dear to my heart. And that's really what masculinity and mindset is because it is really what helped me grow as a person the most. And that's why I like writing about it. That's so powerful, man. You kind of were able to break through your shiny object syndrome to get to, you know, your, um, your meaning. Like you said, it, like it makes you feel like you're at home when you can just talk about it. Just, I, I, I love that, man. I really do. Um, that's actually something when I can interrupt there. Um, yeah, I think no, that's, no that's very important because I know there's always this, this draw to do, as I said, the next best and coolest thing. Like, what, what? yeah, you know, yeah. You feel like something like a challenge, like you want to do something cool or you want to leave yeah. a mark. Like, I guess, I guess that's your ego leaning or, you know, leading you. And, uh, how do you, how do you get away from that? Like, what, what, what are you, uh, how do you, how does someone ground themselves, humble themselves to get to what they actually should be writing rather than what they uh, think other people might want? I guess by failing really, that's, <sighs> that's at least what I did because these, uh, the websites I tried a uh, website, websites I tried to sell, they uh -huh. it didn't, didn't really work out. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it didn't really like make me necessary. Or, um, yeah, noticeable money. So I stopped it pretty quickly. The same with the copywriting. And that's when I thought, well, these things don't work. And the reason I think I have discovered later why they don't work, because my heart wasn't in it. Mm. No, I just tried to make money with it. I didn't really enjoy the process of it itself, which is what I really do with writing about masculinity and mindset. And this is, I think, a very, very important part. If you want to write or I want to be a writer, professional writer and successful writer, then you need to write about things that you really enjoy writing about. I mean, you can obviously make money with, if you really like, if you're very industrious and you put the 
the work in no matter what, and you're very disciplined and you just do it anyway. Of course you can make money. Sure. For example, with copywriting, even though you hate it, for example. But I think if you really want to be happy and successful and really enjoy your job, which is what we're looking for, right? Then yeah. I think you should be writing about topics you really enjoy writing about. And I also think that your writing will be much better if you write about these topics. Hi, right, man. That is, I, I, I like that. I like that mindset on uh, not just wanting to do something because I've I've tried all that, man. I've tried copywriting and I've tried, like you said, website building it, and my heart wasn't into it. Yes, honest. like like I, I made like even when I made money, like it didn't change me. It didn't make mm-hmm. me feel like you know I was I was more I was I don't know. I guess I focused more on the negative than than the positive. Oh, you just made money building this website. I was like, man, that client was annoying. You know, like yeah. <laughs> because I didn't love it. You know. Um, I, I I want writers to kind of take what he said and run with it. Um, yeah, you probably thought it? when you sorry, you probably thought when no. you were um, making money from your copywriting, it's about time I actually get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was exactly like that. Like it was not like oh man, I got to get to write get to write copy. Like it was like oh, yes. yeah, it's about time. Like yeah, yeah I kind of felt entitled to a sale or something. Exactly, and that's a pretty pretty bad mindset in in the long term. Obviously, it might work short term, but. If you're really thinking long term and trying to make like sustainable money the down the road, I think, as I mentioned, uh, writing about stuff you really enjoy is much more healthy. Definitely. What What does a day in the life of Alex look like? Well, <laughs> I actually I had to implement a routine. I had to because I think that is very important. And I'm not the type of type of guy who actually does that. I'm not. I guess most creative people are like that. We're just running around and having ideas and doing things. But this usually doesn't work very well in your business because there have to be a set routine to do things. And especially if you want to achieve great things, like for example, finishing a full-fledged book, then you need some sort of structure, Mm -hmm. which really just means, for example, writing 500 words every day, at least. That was something I, for example, did as a structure. But right now, my day usually looks like that. I get up at 5 a.m. because I want to, not because I have to. I just enjoy that. I'm an early riser, I guess. Mm-hmm. And But I start the day very slow. Usually I, I do my morning routine, which, is, which really just contains of a bit of stretching and like breathing some fresh air. Then I wrote, uh, write down my goals and some affirmations. And then I really think about what I want to do, what I want to achieve. So that means, do I want to write a book or do I want to write a blog post? Do I write guest posts? Do I try to uh, improve my Twitter game or something like that? You know, I really just Mm -hmm. think, what do I want to do this day or today rather? And then I set myself a time frame. I usually work in half an hour chunks which means I can obviously connect two together, but usually I only do it half an hour. Or when I write blog posts, I usually do it one hour. And so my days vary a lot depending on what I want to achieve that day, but it's usually from from the structure, it's the same. That I have these chunks of 30 minutes to one hour where I decide to write, or like if I have a coaching call, for example, and... That's how my day usually looks like. 
And obviously then there's lunch and dinner and working out and all of that. Okay. It's very simple. Very, very clear, succinct. Um, I kind of want to pivot and talk about your coaching business because that kind of stemmed from your words. And that's another way, another extension of your business. You're able to make more money that way. Um, how did, uh, what was that intentional? Like did, when you started writing these books, were you like, I'm going to be a coach now. I'm going to show these. Or were people just seeing your DMs asking all these questions? You're like, all right, man, I I need to help these people. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it was a bit of both. Well, I I always liked uh, I always liked Tony Robbins a lot, mm, and yeah. he obviously is a very life coach, and in both facets, life and life, and he I always liked him and what he portrays, like his positive persona and changing people and helping them. I always mm-hmm. liked it, but I never really thought of myself as a coach in that regard. And this really more or less came to me through Twitter, yes, because people were asking a lot of questions, really, and on email and all of that. And at some point, it just I was overwhelmed, sort of. I was trying to answer these questions with questions with blog posts or on Twitter itself, like on my timeline. Mm-hmm. But I thought, well, these people read my books and they still have so many questions. And they were understandable questions because it just wasn't the scope of the book, but it came naturally through fixing yourself. So I thought maybe there's more to it. And even though I like writing, I also like talking to people a lot. And that's when I decided to go with coaching. I also got a tip from a friend who is in marketing and he's a copywriter. And he said, why don't you try that? And this was really just running in open doors. And I thought, yeah, well, I was thinking about it. So why not just do it? And that's when I, when I started with that and people enjoyed it a lot, actually, um, because I had, again, a clear structure, which I thought was important to get people from point A to point B. Yeah. And that's why, I guess that's why they like it a lot. It has helped a bunch of guys very, very greatly, I think. I think that's really cool how you're able to, um, pivot your book career into coaching and consulting and that, that type of thing. Um, maybe writers can, you know, glean a glimpse and maybe kind of copy that and, uh, see, see if it'll work for your niche too. I think, um, I think there's an important part here because I'm currently reading dot com secrets. I don't know if you know this book yeah. from the Is guy that Russell Brunson. Yes, exactly. The guy who made click yeah. Phones, yeah. And obviously he uses, his book as a funnel there. And that's it. Obviously for a writer like us, that's a bit blasphemic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Yes. But, but the idea is this, because I think you have really only two ways to become like really successful and scale your business as a writer. And that is the first path is you become hugely successful, which means internationally, your book is like an international bestseller. Mm-hmm. obviously that's one way but that's dependent on a lot of things and you cannot really influence it and the second way is you just build this what he calls a value ladder that means people start with your book they get value through it and then they thought well i want to know more about this so you give them like a video course with more information which is higher mm-hmm. priced that's the next step on the ladder and then Another step on the ladder higher is because if they want to have more value or even more value, they get the coaching, for example. And that's how you build this ladder and how you can scale your business. <laughs> that's something I learned from Russell Branson there. And that's one of the methods you can 
use to improve sales or increase sales for your your writing business. I, I like that because you you're the the method that you've taken, you've basically you're not waiting on anybody to make you happen. Like you said, like the first one about being the international bestseller and yes. author, like you have to wait to for you know Simon Simon and Schuster to choose you mm-hmm. and be like you're the next girl with the dragon tattoo and like yes. you know and then people have to like it and they have to put money and millions of dollars in the advertising and then Hollywood has to pick it up and option it and then they have to get some big director to direct the movie like it has to be so many things that you exactly. can't even control but versus like you know I'm just gonna write this book. And then I, I, you can control writing the book. You can control distributing the course. You can control, um, you can, I mean, that, that works for nonfiction, but there's also value ladders that can be, uh, translated to fiction as well for the, uh, writers out there that are like into fiction, uh, and think that it can't be, you know, translated into your realm. It, it definitely can be, you just have to look and, and you can't copy what all the big publishers are doing. You have to make your own lane. Um, Man, um, you you talk to men and mas- you talk to to men all the time and 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 about masculinity. But where do you see men headed these days? Is it a, is it if if you had a, a stock in all men, would you would you sell or would you buy? I mean, are we headed <laughs> <on> the- <laughs> we headed off a cliff or are we, we we're going up like Tesla stock? Like what's happening? Well, I guess if we would be going up, I wouldn't have a job anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, or rather there would be a need for my movement, I guess. Um, No, I actually think it's funny because especially if you're on Twitter and you get all of these messages from people who read your stuff, you end up in sort of an echo chamber. But you think, oh, everything's great. There are a lot of masculine guys out there fixing themselves and getting shit done, really. But then you go outside in the real world, and then you see guys spending thousands of dollars on OnlyFans girls or something like that. And then you yeah. think, well, hmm, maybe there is <laughs> still a need for your, for your movement. And <laughs> yeah. I, I think because a lot of these guys exist, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an example. There are many ways where you can like fuck up your life and these guys i think are still the majority so i do think it's more like selling definitely currently and i mean i feel like there is some sort of movement growing underneath there is some sort of i don't know if if they are waking up or something like they get this um, i think more and more guys get this feeling in inside that something is wrong in the mm-hmm. society, how it's set up and how they should be acting towards not just women, just other people and society in general, what they should be doing. And that they just being an ATM machine just doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know? And I think this is, this is brewing in people a lot or in guys rather. And, but it's not surfacing yet enough, especially to make a, a big like move. And that's where where I am trying to get them to do this. And maybe I, I think I, that, pick. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I not to not to cut you off, but you said something about like you see like something's kind of brewing. And I think a lot of it is is that um men don't know how to verbalize it. So you're starting to see like a lot of like these angry men. Oh yes. And a lot of men are like really angry. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is like um 
like they're not being heard, you know? And they, and then people tell men that, yeah, we are being heard, but like, no, like we're not <laughs> like, like, and I, I don't know how to like verbalize it. I'm kind of like you, but I see it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, these men are frustrated. Yes. Personally, I, I, you know, I'm not frustrated, but I, I see it in men. Like, uh, you know, say something like something as simple as like action movies, right? The, there's not any masculine man yeah. anymore on screen. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like everything, not saying that I have anything against female reboots or anything like that, but every idea. I do. Can I say that? Reboot it. <laughs> I, I personally don't, but like, if you, I mean, a lot of these men, are, they get mad and then they, they like lash out at the women, which I don't think that's right. You know, I don't think you should like harass people because they, they booked a role in a movie. They didn't write the script, but like, it's, it's, it's with men. Like, I, I'm just using action, action, um, stars as an example. Like when I was a kid, there was a lot of action stars. Mm-hmm. You had Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, um, Sylvester Stallone. Now you just have like one. It's just The Rock. And he's more of an Instagram star than anything. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like that's no right shots. Like, he's a brilliant marketer. He's a brilliant at marketing. But that's it. And that's, that's kind of what men have to do. It's like either one extreme of a man which is the rock. I mean, he's like super hardcore when it comes to fitness and, and mindset or like no action stars. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I think personally, I think masculine Hollywood, if you call it that, to use that term, mm-hmm. peaked that in 2004, I think. 2004, what was, what, what, what came out in 2004? Much, I think it was when uh, 300 was released and the rock movie with Sean Connery was from that age and Troy, for example, Okay. Movies like that, yeah. you know, the yeah, classic like traditional that. masculine movies. Well, actually, well, some real men who had to face some adversity, overcome them, their issues, and become the hero. Mm-hmm. And these days, you have these these guys in the spandex suits making fun of themselves. And wow, see, I didn't even put together superheroes because in my mind, they're not really that masculine. Yes, now I just I just realized that right now. Like I, because I said action stars, and I didn't even like count all the. It's like hundreds of Marvel's movies. Exactly. I don't really. I just think they're like like to me they're just fake. They're just like yeah, it's a a fugazi, it's a fugazi, like you know. I think the movie Wolf on Wall Street is more masculine. Has more masculine energy than like a Marvel movie when it's like Captain America kicking like six thousand people's asses. I think that movie has more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest issue there is, especially with these like superheroes, because you would think, mm-hmm. well, they are like jacked and they have a lot of power and they're trying to save the world. Isn't that great? And technically, yes. But my issue with that is that they never take themselves seriously. They always make fun of themselves. And the whole situation is never really like serious. They cannot really oh, make the, a serious... You mean like the snarky quips and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. yeah. The thing with Marvel movies, which I don't like, because they are so afraid of being the hero. You really notice that. There's a lot of scenes where they, where they have to overcome like an issue or whatever it is. And then... Mm-hmm. You, you could have a great scene where they are finally the hero the, the world needs, really. And then they make a joke about it. Or some sort of pun, I don't know, and ruin the whole seriousness in it. <laughs> because they cannot be serious about being a hero. And I hate that because I think that's a big thing for any man, really, to become the hero of your own life. I think that is very important. Because 
I've been teaching this two guys for, for, for a while now that you are completely in control of your whole life more than you think. And maybe so far other people have written the pages of your book, but you can write the upcoming pages yourself from your life or for your life rather. And that is up to you. You can become the hero of your own story. And obviously you have to overcome adversity and some struggle. That's just how every hero story always works. Nobody likes the perfect hero that just has everything. Nobody likes that because humans have flaws. And that is just human and natural. And that is completely missing in these movies because they're just making fun of themselves and then just putting some some vocism in there as well. And that's it. And that's really... That's why I think 2004 or something around that uh, year. Around that era. Yeah, around that era was uh, when it peaked, I think, for masculine movies, mostly. I read a quote about superhero movies that... uh, the reason why they're really big is that it kind of teaches society that like one person can turn this all around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, a, it was, a, I think it was a director of a, of a action movie. I can't remember the full quote, but basically he was saying he thought it was a little dangerous that we're all just sitting around watching like Captain America save the world or like, you know, one person save the world. And then we just kind of sit back and just kind of watch him get all the glory. And we're like, Oh, cool. That's, that's like real life. Like just let one person handle it. Like, <laughs> Basically, kind of like deep, deep, like taking our power away as uh, not even as men, but as people. You know, I think that's a. I thought that was a pretty, pretty uh, strong message. To be honest with you, that is a strong message because I have also always said that brotherhood is very important for any man, really, and that's usually also what's lacking in most marriages these days. That men really just don't hang out with other men, like enough. I think you should be at least um, with other men once a week, really even more if possible. But I think obviously with kids and all of that is always difficult, but I think that is very, very important to get this masculine energy from other guys as well. And like play back and forth with all of that to actually be a man, to be, to understand what it is and be reminded of what you should be instead of being around women all the time, which is really how we grow up and live in this society, which is weird. Now, before people actually accuse me of something, I don't have an issue with women at all. I love them. But yeah, that's usually how people end up being triggered. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, no, the, the point here is this, that despite that, despite that there are um, women and they have wonderful feminine energy, you need the masculine energy yourself to be yourself and understand who you are and be one with yourself. I think that is very, very important. That's missing a lot. And um, that's what is where we come back to this, what you said that I don't think people can really change society alone Mm -hmm. because I'm not changing society alone at all. I have guys that have learned the same things I've learned and together we can maybe achieve something because we spread this message and the, the, the movement rather, but one person alone is really not doing anything. People always think like celebrities or something, they, they are achieving so much, but it's not true. They are only so big and have such a, such a power because of the people that follow them. That is really the important part. People who share the same message, the same ideas and the values, and they push him or her forward. And that's how he gains his like power in like, society or whatever. And one person alone can do nothing. That's at least my opinion. 
No, I agree. I agree. I like that you, um, with self-conquering, you've kind of thrown up the flare gun. You've kind of shot up the flare gun and said, hey, man, if you want to toughen up, this is the way. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, w- what's a quote you'd like to leave the people with? My favorite quote I've always used and I repeat a lot is, man is what he believes. That, I think, is a very, very important message because what you believe you are and what you believe society is and what other people are, that is how you shape your reality. Your beliefs are exactly what will happen to you. And I could go on how this works exactly with with luck and all of that. There's like a real science behind that. But just remember that your beliefs are way stronger than you think they are. So it's very important that your beliefs are set up correctly. And for most guys, be it just, just man and masculinity or mindset or being a writer who doesn't believe he can actually write a book, it doesn't really matter. The point is what you believe is what will happen in your life. That's why I always say there is no, because a lot of guys always say, yeah, I will try to be more masculine or I will try to write a book. I said, completely eradicate that word trying out of your vocabulary. Either you are writing a book or you're not. You're not trying. That is already setting yourself back. You're doing it or you don't. And that is an important thing. Man, that's that's powerful, man. You're absolutely right, man. You, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I agree, man. It's just, I love it. I love it. How can the people get in touch with you? Well, the easiest way is obviously on my blog, selfconquering.com. Uh, you can write comments or you can uh, find the contact form there or obviously on Twitter. Uh, the handle is at selfconquering, just like the blog name. And my DMs are open. You can always contact me there. And yeah, that's how you get in touch with me. Yes. Well, Alex, I'd like to thank you so much for your time. Thank you and for having me. Good- oh, yeah, of course. Of course, man. Anytime. Uh, to the good people listening, he has a new book out uh, called The Unchained Man. Go pick up a copy from the Amazon store. It'll be a link. It'll be in the show notes. Um, So thank you all so much for listening. This has been another draft. Now turn off your headphones and go right. 